Okay, so here we are with our third epilogue of the season here. As I mentioned in previous episodes, I'm not sure how many of these we're going to do, but we're going to just keep, keep we're going to keep pushing them out in, until people get tired of them. That, that's that's kind of the system right now. Uh, a little more laid back, a little more casual. I I want to introduce you again, but I'm afraid of messing up your name. So <laughs> no, this is uh, Madhuri Prabhakar, the expert in microplastics from the Plastic Soup Foundation. If you didn't listen to the original episode, uh, definitely go back. It's from a few days ago on Monday. So go ahead and check that out first. Come back, listen to this episode or do it in the reverse fashion. Doesn't really matter. There was, I, I mentioned this in the main episode that I probably could have asked you so many different questions. Um, and it, it, I wasn't sure which ones to save for this portion and which ones to put in the main one, but let me just ask the first one that is just like the elephant in the room for me. And I, and I kind of mentioned this to you a little bit already, but when we're talking about changing the dynamics of how we use things in the, in, in our world, you know, when it comes to reducing plastic, plastic is used right now, just from my understanding, because it's cheap. And we live in a world dominated by capitalism. And the only thing that people who are capitalists seem to understand is the word more and more is only attained through higher and higher profit margins which means you have to use cheaper and cheaper products how do we find a way to overcome that like how, like what like what is the what's the real i guess like solution here to try to overcome some of these companies who have in their minds no incentives to stop using plastic if you know what i mean yeah <laughs> uh big question uh, it's uh, yeah i'm sorry yeah. to like bring out the big question right away but like it's just it, it's driving me crazy yeah. thinking about it because i'm just like like what like what exactly do we need to do in order to get that to happen because i'm just like these companies i mean they they don't seem to care you know i mean we mm -hmm. think about all the like the all the effects it's having on the planet like how much of this this is all happening in like what a hundred years mm -hmm. right Absolutely. I mean, what's a hundred yeah. more years going to look like it? And they seem to have no real regard for what's happening to all of us in the sake of, in the name of profit. So it almost just feels like you're, you're fighting this battle against this behemoth and it's just, you don't mm -hmm. really know what to do. It certainly is. It certainly is. Uh, David versus the Goliath. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess within the companies or just people just need to realize that we don't have infinite resources and yeah. at some point it will run out and at some point we will go to the point of no return and then there is no profit the real profit right now is to make sure that the resources we regenerate and uh, give them enough time to bounce back because if we don't do that there's not going to be a world where we can make profit because there there is going to be no planet that's gonna uh, still provide favorable conditions for it, so to speak. 
Um, And as I mentioned in the episode as well, and it's a problem that we need to solve together and with our consumer power, with our uh, governments, we really need to push for legislation that de-incentivize these kind of profit making and really push uh, companies to watch out on their carbon footprint or uh, their waste generation and make them accountable for the products that they brought, that they bring in the market. And and that's something starting to happen now, you know, uh, producer's responsibility. And that's something we need to, to and there's different ways to do it, but yeah, it's it's a problem that not one person can solve and not one, one sector or part of the society can solve. It's something we need to do together and try to put build pressure uh, from as many different ways as possible. But yeah, it's it's again, <laughs> talking in the big picture right. scenario, but yeah, it, it is quite quite the challenge and it is quite overwhelming because things don't seem to move fast enough. No, they definitely don't. And, you know, tell me if I'm wrong about this, but it, it feels like a lot of this is kind of like a, a uniquely like American problem. Like I was mentioning, you know, before <laughs> that, you know, and it is true for, you know, for those who who might not live in the States, I mean, we kind of have a weird political divide in the United States mm-hmm. where I'm not going to say who it is, but I think, you know, <laughs> it, it's pretty evident that there is just a large section of our country that feels as though they can do whatever they want, whenever they want. They then they don't seem to care about the consequences of anything. They're just like, I'm gonna live my life, and I don't care what happens. And that's how it's mm-hmm. gonna be. And I struggle myself being like, I don't know how to connect with those people. You know, I, I feel as though mm-hmm. it's just like this this individualistic nature. It, it's not just about like, oh, picking myself up by my bootstraps. It's also just like. I don't want to be told how to live my life and they just block mm-hmm. out how their how their actions have consequences for the rest of us who also to share a planet with those people. But am I wrong to think that this is like a uniquely American thing? I always like look over at Europe and I'm just like, that's such a progressive place. They seem to always <laughs> have it under control. Like they're actually caring about the world. We're not, or you know what I'm trying to say, or, or am I wrong here? Do, do you see some of those sentiments over where you live as well? The short answer is also kind of yes. I don't know if it, it's it's a again very different societies we're talking about. Yeah, uh, I'm not that familiar with uh, the the U.S. landscape in that sense, but yeah, in Europe, the, the, there's certainly a, a big amount of people that are conscious in terms of climate change or um, yeah, plastic pollution, so to speak. But there's of course also a part of society here that also doesn't want. To be told how to live, I'm, I'm uh, assuming. But uh, because I work for a nonprofit organization, I must say I probably am in a bubble where I meet those kind of like-minded people, right. um, and our supporter base as Plastic Soup Foundation are people that do care. That's why they are uh, following us, for example, or supporting us. So sometimes I do feel like. I am surrounded by that kind of bubble, but that kind of bubble does break for me every now and then when I meet people that think so differently, as you mentioned. And I also get sometimes, yeah, it's it's kind of a shock to me because how how do I exactly connect with those people and and, um, 
come to a shared understanding of what we need to do. And it is a challenge, but we cannot stop the conversations for sure. We do need to keep talking about it and and, and hopefully slowly something clicks and change. Uh, and having that conversation is important. So, yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree, you know, which is one of the reasons why I have this podcast is for mm-hmm. that exact reason. I believe in the power of just speaking, I guess, maybe not speaking something into existence, but, you know, continuing to have a conversation with the hopes that it mm-hmm. will spark other people to have these conversations, to change different things, mm-hmm. to have different actions. You know, for me, the more that I've learned about it, the more I've tried to make little changes in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those people who has like the canvas bags in my cars and I have a mm-hmm. water bottle that I always use. And, you know, we just went out and got like um, a recycling, a glass recycling service, a composting service. You know, we're trying to make little changes to our exactly. lifestyle, you know, but I think sometimes I get caught up maybe just not knowing when I'm making the right decisions. Like I think mm-hmm. I'd mentioned to you before that I was like, trying to buy this pen right here. I bought this pen because the pen said it was biodegradable. And I remember when we spoke before, (laughs) you were like, oh, that's one of those terms that's a little greenwashed. And I was like, oh no. Uh, But (laughs) just, can you talk to me about that really quickly here? Because I think it's one of those things like, you know, you're trying your best to make these more conscious decisions. Then you might get caught up with someone's like deceptive marketing, like biodegradable, Mm -hmm. recycled. Like how do these terms kind of get manipulated against us? Yeah, yeah. Well, as I said, that in the past years, uh, sustainability has soared and has become the buzzword in the market, so to speak. And yeah. everybody's trying to get on that bang- bandwagon and sell as much shit as possible. Uh, that is bound to lead to lead to these terms: biodegradable, recyclable, recycled, and uh, less plastic, and just vague terms. And I think that's also something that we try to do at Plastic Soup Foundation with our supporter base is to educate or make people aware of why those terms are vague and you shouldn't just take them on face value. Yeah. For example, biodegradable is one of those terms that are so complicated and it can be claimed so freely. Biodegradable is something that doesn't... Well, okay, let me take a step back. So <laughs> when we say something is biodegradable... Uh, it's a bit complicated, that's why. Um, and if it's ending up in the nature as trash, doesn't mean it will biodegrade because uh, it might need conditions to biodegrade. And a lot of the time, biodegradable plastic is biodegradable provided it gets the optimum conditions to biodegrade. That means mm. optimum temperature, optimum presence of oxygen or bacteria or microorganisms that will biodegrade it but on our planet those optimum conditions are not in every ecosystem so will it really biodegrade in ocean and if it's biodegradable in ocean will it biodegrade in soil because soil and ocean have very different conditions right. uh, uh, so yeah that, that that's why the term is just it means nothing in that sense because what do you mean? Uh, and if biodegradable plastic is collected properly and then taken to a um, facility where it can biodegrade, then it's great. But those kind of infrastructure is not existing in our uh, uh, in, in our society right now, not on that level. There is 
uh, no collection system uh, that will take it to that facility where it will biodegrade. So it's one of those terms that's quite frustrating <laughs> to see around because it just gives you a false sense of um, that you're making the right decision, but it, it, it might not be. And same with, uh, yeah, recyclable. Well, great, recyclable, but well, will it get recycled? Only 9% of plastic in the world gets recycled. So that let, let's just let, let that sink in. So uh, re recycling is, is again, one of those things. Uh, it's again about infrastructure, getting collected. And uh, if, if trash is getting in the environment, then it's, it's out there. Uh, and recycling plastic is a very complicated process and right. it's not that easy. Uh, plastic cannot be infinitely recycled also. So you can recycle it two, maybe three times till it's too poor to use again uh, in condition. So it's, it's again, one of those traps um, that makes us believe that we're making the right choice, but we need to be really mindful with those things. But not just us, the governments, for example, I'm not sure in UK or in EU, they're also looking into uh, controlling this and making sure that they make companies accountable who claim these vague terms. You need to be able to back it up, uh, all these claims that you make as a company that, oh, less plastic or beautiful for the planet or the best thing that you'll ever buy that will never hurt the planet, all these kinds of claims, uh, they need to be backed up with real facts. And uh, that's how we need to make the companies accountable and uh, just not buy everything on the face value. And, and I think that the good thing is to ask questions. As consumers, we can be really critical about these claims and really ask questions on social media and, and really ask these brands, what do they mean by, by certain things? Because if, it's, if you get a good answer, uh, then you know that, that there is... Uh, some thought and facts behind it, but if it's just wake, then then it's just that wake it doesn't mean nothing. What does wake mean? Like you said it a few times now. I, I don't wake? think I've ever... oh, am yeah. I pronouncing it bad? I was like, like I don't know that I've heard that word before. Sure, it's a very uh, wake, as in that it's not specific, and it's oh, just, oh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you said. Am oh. I am I pronouncing it wrong? Am oh, I vague. It wrong? Oh, yeah. Okay. Vague. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I thought it was a word. Okay, I'm just gonna move on. <laughs> I was like, this is a word I'm not familiar with. You know, I um, I, I think when I was first um trying to figure out exactly what questions to leave for the end here. Uh, the the last question that I wrote down was about the effects that plastics having on I guess like the global South, you know, thinking mm -hmm. of like Indonesia, uh, India, mm -hmm. Sri Lanka, you know, Bangladesh, all these places that again people in America just don't seem to ever think about, but our plastic waste is just floating across the Pacific, going over into some of these countries. And I think you had mentioned before that like people were like using some of this stuff to like eat out of and just, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine the countless like health effects that probably come from being constantly bombarded with all this pollution. You know, I mean, who knows what people are dealing with, how much cancer is going on because of all of this. I mean, mm -hmm. what are your, some of your thoughts on this? I mean, as far as the, the, I guess like the real like health effects that it's having on 
millions of people like around the world from having to constantly just be around that that toxicity all the time mm-hmm. yeah it's a big issue i must say because oftentimes also here in the netherlands i'm from india originally yeah uh, and when i sometimes tell people about oh what do you do for work oh i work for the plastic soup foundation and we fight plastic pollution really here you want to isn't india more polluted shouldn't you be solving the problem there that, yeah, that's where's the trash sometimes... coming from <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that's the response that i get and i'm yeah. so infuriated with that comment that it, it's just people just don't realize because streets are clean here but all our trash is sold and and exported to come to countries like malaysia and indonesia and india yeah um and yeah, we're just basically throwing our problems there and blaming them for for being it. dirty and or for being yeah. dirty or polluted or polluting the rivers and the oceans, which is just so unfair. It's just unfair because countries, uh, uh, those countries, don't have the infrastructure to to basically solve the waste problem of the entire world. Yeah, um, it's just. U.S. and Japan and the Netherlands are some of the big exporters of plastic waste to these countries. Mm. So the the problem is very much here. And uh, we just send our waste when it's it's not in our sight, not our problem kind of mentality. And not just that they, they are not able to properly um, manage that waste. There are so many problems arising. Uh, on a societal rev- levels over there because the waste is often mishandled there and burnt in open and plastic and uh, or e-waste or other these kind of like electronic waste or plastic waste if it's burned in open the amount of toxins and fumes that go in the air that's basically just, just cancer like it, it like very quickly that'll be just cancer there are so many carcinogenic uh substances released in the air and uh there was a study that came, I think, in 2021 that really took me aback uh, because they they analyzed about like 36 eggs from 14 countries that import plastic waste. Yeah. And they are free range chickens, right? The eggs from the free range chickens that were in the vicinity of these uh, waste hotspots where plastic is burned uh, openly or used as fuel to cook cook their, their food. Uh and those laid eggs had those dioxins in them, in the eggs of the chicken. It just, it blew my mind. I couldn't believe that that was even possible because what happens is these harmful substances, uh, they accumulate in the, the fat of animal products like meat and fish and eggs, for example. Yeah. So it, it's just, uh, there's so many people at risk there because of this uh, mishandle uh, uh, of, of waste and open burning. It's just, yeah, we live in a very unfair world. And that that that, that story really hit hit me hard. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, we, it's we, unsustainable. It, it, it really is. And like there, there's no getting around it. It's unsustainable. I had, um, I had someone come on my podcast a few months ago uh, someone who was in the U.S. Navy went over to Iraq, was exposed to the burn pits they had over there, where they were throwing anything and everything in those burn pits, 
and he was there for less than a year and he got cancer, you know, just wow. he got cancer and he got a movement disorder from it. And he's going to be stuck with these issues for the rest of his life. And he has all this healthcare taken care of by the, by the, like by the U S government. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He still has these like issues that he yeah. deals with every day, just lots of chronic pain. I mean, it, and that's somebody who has access to healthcare and wasn't exposed mm -hmm. to it for that long. You know, mm -hmm. how is it affecting people who have no access to healthcare and they are prolonged mm -hmm. exposure years and years and years with no end in sight? I mean, and that's not even talking about the air pollution that comes from like some of the countries that are down there. Probably again, pollution that you know, it, it's also coming back to the fossil fuel industry, right? It's, I mean, in an mm -hmm. all way, it kind of all ties together, but yeah, I, I think I'm going to end this yeah. conversation the way I began it with it just being, when we're talking about corporations who only care about profit, mm -hmm. like that needs to change. It needs to change mm -hmm. because that, that seems to be the byproduct of all this because profit was cared about above all else. All of these repercussions are now happening to so many different people's lives. And again, th this has been what, a hundred years, maybe, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. we've mm -hmm. irrevocably like wrecked our planet in a century. Mm -hmm. uh, it just, it, it, it okay. feels, yeah. it, it feels unbelievable. Truly. It really does. Um, Monterey, thank you for so much for coming on the podcast today, speaking with me about this um, in two different conversations, you know, the, the original episode and now here, with the uh with the epilogue uh for those who didn't listen to the original episode could you uh, just tell us one more time like where we can find plastic soup online how people can get more involved uh learning about all of this yeah well you can find us on instagram twitter linkedin facebook where and all those places um please visit our website if you want to learn about any of these topics that we mentioned today we have a lot of information on our website where you can learn about this topic um yeah, and you can always email us and DM us or uh, we're very happy to uh, answer any questions. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show again today. For those who are interested, those links will be in the episode description. If you like this episode, please go ahead and share it on social media, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you spend most of your time at. Apparently, even on LinkedIn, which I wasn't sure that people still <laughs> use that, but Plastic Soup Foundation <laughs> is on LinkedIn. So it's a uh, thing in Europe for sure. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people use. So on LinkedIn as well, but thank you so much again for everyone who listened to this episode and we will see you in the next one. Mm -hmm.